This show is brought to you by my friends at Alliance and Trust. In wild times like these, you need more than financial product salespeople. You need a firm that looks at the entirety of your life and helps you with strategies that coordinate all disciplines of good stewardship so you can manage wisely what God has given you and thrive in these times of chaos and confusion. Have a team that acts as consultants in the business of you. Let Alliance and Trust help you plan for what's next. To learn more and get your free copy of Alliance and Trust's book on financial stewardship, Wisdom Before Wealth, visit friendofbrice.com or call 805-371-8020. Welcome to the Bryce Eddy Show. Today, my guest on this National Day of Prayer is historian and repeat friend of the show, Bill Federer. How are you, sir? Hey, Bryce. Great to be with you. Yeah, no, and it's uh, it's perfect that we're doing this um, on National Day of Prayer. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have you because every time I have you on, of course, um, you know, everybody learns a lot. And you're, you're one of the... Uh, one of the regular guests that I have that people always comment on and tell me, um, you know, when I when I run into friends or family or other people that uh, uh, watch these, um, they appreciate you and uh, and all that you bring. So it's always exciting to have you back on. Well, it's an honor to be on, and uh, I love talking history. There's a quote from Arthur Schlesinger Jr. He was a Pulitzer Prize-winning historian on John F. Kennedy's staff. And the quote is, history is to the nation what memory is to the individual. So have you yeah. ever met an individual who's lost their memory? Maybe they have Alzheimer's, right? They forgot who they are. They forgot who you are. Anybody can take anything away from them. It's sad. Well, we sort of have national Alzheimer's. Here we are, the freest yeah. country the planet has ever seen. And we forgot who we are. We forgot how we got here. We're letting them take our freedoms away. And so sometimes when I share these stories, it's almost like, you know, people get the, a little flicker in their eye, like, that's who we are. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think that's exactly why people like it, because also I, I think it um, brings some comfort that, you know, uh, all things are not new, and we've been uh, through many tough times throughout history before, not just our nation, but you see these repeated patterns, and those patterns tell us also sometimes, okay, how do we move through and get you know, uh, out of these dire situations we're in. So um, I, I think that's why people uh, find it so comforting to have you on. And um, uh, with the National Day of Prayer, I put together a book called Prayers and Presidents. And I went through every single past president. Now I have to admit, I uh, finished the book when uh, George W. Bush was in office. So I haven't updated it since then, but up until that point. And it's interesting during the colonial era, uh, every colony was started by a different denomination. Virginia was Anglican. And last week I spoke at an event called the First Landing in uh, April 26, 1607. And that's when you had the settlers of the Jamestown colony landed right there at uh, Cape Henry. It's called Fort Story. And they uh, first thing that these Virginia settlers did was erect a cross and the chaplain was Reverend Robert Hunt and he dedicated America to Christ. And so that's the first English uh, day of prayer. Uh, Spaniards had some as well, but we trace our heritage there to the English. And uh, and then I went through every one of the colonial uh, 
histories. And you had Connecticut. They had an annual day of fasting and prayer. And it was usually the first uh, Friday, Good Friday. And many of the Massachusetts uh, ones, they would have days of prayer when things were bad, like there was a famine. And then they would have days of fasting and prayer when things got real bad. And then when things turned around, they'd have a day of Thanksgiving. And one time they were having a, a day of fasting. It was really bad. And a ship pulls into the harbor with all the supplies they were praying for. And so they said, cancel the day of fasting. It's a day of Thanksgiving. Uh, but it was this continual relationship with the Lord. So obviously none of them were deists, right? The deist concept came out of the Enlightenment, uh, the uh, scientific revolution era where uh, you had Isaac Newton and Kepler and Copernicus, and they're discovering laws of gravity and laws of planetary motion and laws of optics. And so some theologians said, well, maybe God made everything with laws and like a guy makes a complicated clock and with gears and winds it up and then goes for a walk. Yeah, maybe God made everything, but he's not really involved day to day. And so don't even bother praying. Literally, the, the, the pure deists, they don't even bother praying because like oh, everything's just following laws of nature. And none of America's found, even Ben Franklin called for prayer at the Constitutional Convention when they were having a deadlock. And then he referred to, he said, during the revolution, we had daily prayer in this assembly. And so you go back and I read through all the records of the Continental Congress and they had a day of fasting and prayer uh, just two months before they did the Declaration of Independence. We're all familiar with the Declaration, which mentions God four times, laws of nature and of nature's God, you know, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, appealing to the supreme judge of the world and with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. Four times the Declaration mentions God. But two months earlier, May 1776, that same Continental Congress unanimously has a day of fasting and prayer through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ. And, no, um, amen. And, and then Washington, almost after every battle, he's thanking God and thanking Providence. And, uh, but then you get into our country. Um, we had a day of uh, Thanksgiving when um, the Battle of Saratoga, we won. And at the end of that first National Day of Thanksgiving in 1777, uh, they pray that the knowledge of Christianity will spread over all the earth. And, uh, th but then you get into our country's history. And so this is where I put together the book, uh, Prayers and Presidents. So there was a whiskey rebellion uh, in 1896. This was the first major internal disruption since our independence. And it was important that it gets solved because if we were having difficulty getting uh, things going, it would entice Britain to come back and get involved in uh, our country and side with one side against the other and split it up and so forth. So Washington is the only president to actually be commander in chief where he got on a horse and he led the army to Western Pennsylvania. And when they caught the leaders of the whiskey rebellion, he just forgave them and let them go home. Right, which was a big deal because every other leader in world history, if you catch somebody stirring up a rebellion, you uh, have hearings and then you arrest them and then you imprison them and then you lock them away and, and then kill them. But here Washington forgave them. 
But here, Washington has a national day of prayer, January 1st of 1796. He said, all persons within the United States uh, to render sincere and hearty thanks to the great ruler of nations for the possession of constitutions of government and fervently beseech the kind author of these blessings to establish habits of sobriety, order, and morality, and piety. So George Washington had a day of prayer. Um, and then we go to the uh, pseudo war with France. John Adams is the second president. And we just got done with the war with Britain, the biggest power on earth. And we're almost after the French Revolution, uh, where they chopped off 30,000 heads in Paris. And then they begin to uh, seize American ships. And John Adams uh, tries to keep us out of the, a war with France. So John Adams has a national day of fasting and prayer, March 23rd, 1798, and then again in 1799. And President John Adams says, as the people uh, of the United States are still held in jeopardy by the insidious acts of a foreign nation. I hereby recommend a day of solemn humiliation, fasting and prayer that the citizens call to mind our numerous offenses against the most high God, confess them before him with sincerest penitence and implore his pardoning mercy through the great mediator and redeemer for our past transgressions and through the grace of his Holy Spirit, we may be disposed to yield a more suitable obedience to its righteous requisition. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Do not trust these woke banks. Do not put your money into ESG funds. Instead, why don't you talk to the Alliance and Trust family? Finance is in their blood. I grew up with them, and they've handled my entire financial world for nearly 30 years. And as a testament to their talents, they've managed to keep me not just out of trouble, which in and of itself is remarkable, but they've helped me to build real wealth. They've assisted me through complex business transactions and family matters. Now even my daughters are working with Uncle Randy to put financial disciplines in place for their futures. Invest with people who share our values and will help you to be a good steward with what God has given you. Let Alliance and Trust help you plan for what's next. To learn more and get your free copy of Alliance and Trust's book on financial stewardship, Wisdom Before Wealth, visit friendofbrice.com or call 805-371-8020. That definitely sounds like a pastor gave that prayer, but that was yeah. President John Adams. Uh, Jefferson was the third president, and though he didn't issue a presidential day of prayer when he was governor of Virginia, he issued a day of prayer. And then um, James Madison was the uh, fourth president. And this is during the War of 1812. The British burned the White House. And uh, so James Madison has a day of fasting and prayer on November 16th of 1814. He says, in the present time of public calamity and war, a day may be observed by the people of the United States as a day of public humiliation fasting and of prayer to almighty God for the safety and welfare of these United States of confessing their sins and transgressions and strengthening their vows of repentance that he would be graciously pleased to pardon all their offenses. Uh, you know, one of the things in reading through these, I kept seeing this 
uh, confessing their sins and transgressions, vows of repentance. And they had this uh, understanding that God cannot bless sin because if God blesses you while he's in, while you're in sin, he's effectively giving consent to the sin, right? It's no big deal. Uh, it's the concept in a wedding where if you're silent, your silence is giving consent to the wedding vows. And so if there are sins and God is silent and not judging the sin, and, and even if you turn on blessing you while you're in sin, if God gives consent to sin, he's no longer a just God. He denies his just nature. He denies himself and he cannot deny himself. And so he can't bless you when you're in sin. So these under these founders understood we had to repent of our sin before we could have faith that God would bless us. And um, so now we go forward and interrupt me at any time. I, no, no, um, this is perfect. I love it. Uh, so uh, the ninth president is William Henry Harrison, and he dies only 30 days into office. And so the 10th president is uh, Tyler. And Tyler, Texas is named after him because this is when Texas was coming into the union. And so he gives a day of uh, fasting and prayer upon the death of William Henry Harrison. It's April 13th, 1841. When a Christian people feel themselves to be overtaken by a great public calamity, it becomes them to humble themselves under the dispensations of divine providence. He just flat out says, when a Christian people, right? Um, and then we go to 1849, and there is a cholera epidemic, a pandemic, right? Uh, cholera came from India. It was a waterborne disease, and they would have the sewage in the Ganges River, and people would bathe in the river, part of a certain religious uh, ritual they had there, and they would get cholera. And it was just a localized thing until the British took over India and put in railroads, and people infected could quickly travel back to port, travel back to Europe, and millions died. It was the disease of the 19th century. And so 150,000 Americans died of cholera. And so the president is Zachary Taylor. What does he do? Has a day of fasting and prayer, July 3rd, 1849. A fearful pestilence which is spreading itself throughout the land, it is fitting that a people whose reliance has ever been in his protection should humble themselves before his throne and acknowledging past transgressions, ask a continuance of divine mercy. It is earnestly recommended that Friday, the first Friday in August of 1849 be observed throughout the United States as a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer. I just think that's so amazing to have a president uh, ask for a day of fasting. Yeah, wow. Then we're coming up to the Civil War. You have President James Buchanan, and he has a day of fasting and prayer, December 14th, 1860. In this hour of our calamity and peril, to whom shall we resort for relief but to the God of our fathers? Let us unite in humbling ourselves before our most high, the Most High in confessing our individual and national sins. And uh, you wonder today if they could even identify a sin. Um, he says, let mm -hmm. me invoke every individual in whatever sphere of life he may be placed to feel a personal responsibility to God and his country for keeping this day holy. And then Lincoln has two days of fasting and prayer during the Civil War. And the one in 1863, Lincoln said, the awful calamity of a civil war 
now desolates the land may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins. We have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace, multiplied, enriched, and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us to humble ourselves before the offended power, confess our national sins, and pray for clemency and forgiveness. Now, I, my wife, when I put this book together, she's like, well, what happened after they prayed? And so we put together another book called Miracles in American History. But two days after Lincoln's prayer, his day of fasting, a freak accident happens that changes the course of the Civil War. The South shoots probably their best general, right? Stonewall Jackson, the Battle of Chancellorville, uh, the Confederates are winning. They're outnumbered two to one and they're winning. Stonewall Jackson was such a great general. But he's coming back at twilight after observing the battlefield and his own men say, stop, who goes there? And before he can answer, they let off a volley of shots. Mm. And he's hit twice in the arm, once in the hand, his horse is killed, about 15 guys are killed all around him. Uh, they discover him in the twilight darkness and they put him on a stretcher, but they trip and fall and mangle up his arm, which has to get amputated. And then he dies uh, a week or so later. And just about every Civil War historian will say, if Stonewall Jackson had been at Gettysburg two months later, the South probably would have won. Now, it's hard to reconcile because he personally was a godly man. But uh, the uh, idea is, here's Lincoln, day of fasting. It, it wasn't the Union that defeated him. It was this freak accident. And so uh, a later president, you know, Calvin Coolidge and then FDR said, it was God's will that America not be divided and that slavery be ended. And, uh, and we don't want to go back and, you know, re-open re, uh, those wounds. And But... Uh, Another is after the war, you have Andrew Johnson proclaims a day of prayer after Lincoln is shot. He says the 25th of next month was recommended as a special day of humiliation and prayer as a consequence of, of the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. But whereas my attention has been called to the fact that the aforesaid day is sacred to large numbers of Christians as one of rejoicing for the ascension of the Savior, I, Andrew Johnson, President of the United States, to suggest that religious services recommended as aforesaid should be postponed until the first day of June, right? So here, he has this day of um, humiliation and prayer, but he's like, oh, it just happens to fall on the ascension of Jesus. So it's 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus is uh, ascended into heaven. Um, and uh, maybe maybe a little bit earlier than 40 days, because the well, 40 days, because then 50 days was the Pentecost. That's correct. Okay. Um, get my numbers right. But but here's uh, President Andrew Johnson. And uh, and then we fast forward to uh, Theodore Roosevelt. And he has a day of uh, prayer after McKinley, the 25th president, is assassinated. So Teddy Roosevelt says, President McKinley crowned life of largest love for his fellow men, of earnest endeavors for their welfare by the death of Christian fortitude. I therefore, Theodore Roosevelt, have a day of mourning and prayer, and that the people assemble in their in bow and submission to the will of Almighty God. We enter World War I, 1918. 
the president is Woodrow Wilson. And he has a day of fasting and prayer. So here's a Democrat president, 1918, day of fasting and prayer. Hmm. Woodrow Wilson says, whereas in time of war, humbly to acknowledge our dependence on Almighty God, implore his will. I, Woodrow Wilson, President of the United States, do hereby proclaim a day of public humiliation, prayer, and fasting, and exhort my fellow citizens to pray Almighty God that he may forgive our sins. There's that term again. And uh, there's more if you'd like me to continue. Summer is here, and Good Ranchers wants to give you what you've been craving, a nice summer steak on the grill. Can you hear the sizzle already? I'm not sure what your favorite steak is, but mine is literally every steak I get from Good Ranchers. Every cut that they source from local American farms is hand-cut, trimmed, and aged to perfection. Good Ranchers is proud to be a trusted source for high-quality, all-American meat, and they are the way to get the most out of your summer grilling season. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com and pick up your box. They have ribeyes, New York strips, all-natural burgers, and all the delicious chicken you could ever want. Plus, it's $30 off with my code BRYCE. With 85% grass-fed beef imported from overseas, Good Ranchers wants you to put American meat on the grill you can feel good about and trust. Whether you're planning a backyard barbecue, a family picnic, or a beachside cookout, they've got you covered with honest, transparent products that deliver on quality, price, and flavor. This is the perfect time of year to easily change the way you buy meat. So head to GoodRanchers.com and use my code BRYCE for $30 off any box. Forget about the summer bod for a minute and focus on summer meats. With Good Ranchers, you can feel good about the 100% American, locally sourced meat you're putting on your grill and on your plate. Make this summer one to remember by starting it with American meat delivered to your door from GoodRanchers.com. Use my code BRYCE for $30 off at GoodRanchers.com today. Yeah, uh, you know, what's fascinating to me is... um, Again, you know, how, how far we have departed from, uh, you know, cr- Christianity being a central theme of our country. Um, you know, we, we hardly give even a uh, tip to the cap, uh, tip of the cap to it now. And I think it's, again, because of our prosperity and everything that's infected us uh, as a nation, because in those times of, uh, of difficulty, I, I think it's harder to be an atheist. And, uh, and now we've got the ability to run in the other direction. And of course, you know, these days, uh, religion is very much alive. It's just not Christianity. It's, uh, it's, you know, this bizarre form of paganism that we're seeing now. So I, I, I find it uh, both beautiful and refreshing to see um, that we have this in our past, but also, um, you know, dis- disheartening that uh, that it's missing today. Um, and uh, it- it'll be interesting um, what the president's comments, if any, will be tomorrow um, and, you know, and-, and how he'll address it if he does. Yeah, you know, you mentioned how, you know, we've been blessed and so we've sort of not felt our need for God and um, those blessings. There's a quote from John Adams to Thomas Jefferson in 1818. And he said, can you tell me how to prevent luxury from producing effeminacy, intoxication, Mm. vice? He says, no effort in favor of virtue is lost. And it's like, okay, effeminacy is a luxury. 
I mean, it's in times of battle and warfare, you don't have time for that. So the fact that you would have uh, a femininity is a sign that we had luxury for so long, you know. And um, well, then there's Calvin Coolidge in uh, August 24, 1923. Uh, he has a day of prayer when uh, Harding, President Warren G. Harding is uh, killed or died. Um, and Coolidge says, uh, I earnestly recommend the people assemble on the day in their respective places of divine worship where they bow in submission to the will of God and pay out full hearts of homage of love and reverence to the memory of the past president. And, uh, and then we go to Franklin Roosevelt and he has numerous days of prayer, uh, not fasting, but days of prayer. And uh, one was where he uh, uh, gives one in uh, December 21st, 1941. So this is right after uh, Pearl Harbor. He says, I have set aside a day of prayer. And in that proclamation, I said that in the year 1941 is brought upon our nation a war of aggression by powers dominated by arrogant rulers whose selfish purpose is to destroy free institutions. Therefore, I do appoint the first day of the year, 1942, as a day of prayer, asking forgiveness for our shortcomings of the past. He doesn't use the word sin there, but he says shortcomings of the past of consecration to the tasks of the present and of asking God's help in the days to come. And then uh, November 12th, 1935, during the Depression, uh, he said, let us on the day appointed offer our devotion and humble thanks to Almighty God and pray that the people of the United States will be guided by him in helping their fellow men. Uh, there's several that he's given. One is his D-Day prayer, June 6, 1941. And so this is when we're going over, uh, sending all of our troops there to the Normandy coast. And he said, Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization. Of course, okay, what religion is he talking about? Well, he's an Episcopalian, but Franklin Roosevelt mm -hmm. gave out Gideon's New Testaments and Book of Psalms to all the soldiers in World War II. Blue ones oh, to the wow. Navy, brown ones to the Army. I have a brown one. Somebody gave it to me after my talk. But you can go online and buy them. People have them on eBay and so forth. But it's a New Testament, Psalms, and the New, the New Testament uh, with the forewords of Franklin D. Roosevelt. It says, I commend the reading of the Bible to all who serve in the armed forces of the United States. You know, in times of this struggle, has been a source of inspiration. You know, signed Franklin D. Roosevelt. And, wow. um, and then Harry S. Truman is the one who made the National Day of Prayer an annual event. So uh, before then, it was on an as-needed basis, right? And uh, Democrat President Harry S. Truman makes it an annual event. And he said, in times of national crises, when we are striving to strengthen uh, the foundations of peace, we stand in special need of divine support. And uh, just a, uh, uh, that time period when we had the uh, ending of World War II and then the beginning of the Korean War, uh, you have um, another, you know, several different times of prayer, but you have President Eisenhower and he is condemning communism. And one of the interesting things uh, that Eisenhower does is uh, he has a back to God program with the American Legion. 
I think that's just interesting. Here's a president having a back to God program. So uh, commenting wow. on the anti-God agenda of Stalin, Soviet Union, Mao Zedong's China, Eisenhower said January 25th, 1952, what is our battle against communism if it is not a fight between anti-God and a belief in the almighty? Communists have to eliminate God from their system. When communism, when God comes, communism has to go. And then Eisenhower said October 13th, 1952, it was published in Time Magazine. The Bill of Rights grants no privilege for a group of people to destroy the Bill of Rights. A group like the Communist Conspiracy, dedicated to the ultimate destruction of all civil liberties, cannot be allowed to claim civil liberties as its privileged sanctuary from which to carry on subversion of the government. I sometimes think that uh, maybe people haven't followed his warning. Another quote yeah. from Time Magazine, June 5th, 1952, Eisenhower. He said, in spite of the problems we have, I ask one question. If each of us in his own mind would dwell more upon those simple virtues, integrity, courage, self-confidence, and an unshakable belief in the Bible, would not some of these problems tend to simplify themselves? And uh, so uh, lots of quotes there. And uh, I can't forget Nixon during Apollo 13 when it had an oxygen tank explode and it's uh, up there uh, floundering in space and the whole world is praying. And so President uh, Richard Nixon, April 19th, 1970, uh, said, when we learned of the safe return of our astronauts, I asked that the nation observe a national day of prayer and thanksgiving. This event reminds us that in these days of growing materialism, deep down there is still a great religious faith in this nation. I think more people prayed last week than perhaps have prayed in many years in this country. We pray for the assistance of God when faced with great potential tragedy. And, uh, and then it was Ronald Reagan that made the National Day of Prayer the first Thursday in May. And so Ronald Reagan said in 1988, Americans in every generation have turned to their maker in prayer. We have acknowledged both our dependence on Almighty God and the help he offers us as individuals and as a nation. Now, therefore, I, Ronald Reagan, President of the United States, do proclaim May 5th, 1988 is a national day of prayer. I call upon citizens to have the great nation to gather together on that day in their homes and places of worship to pray. And then uh, uh, Ron, uh, President Donald Trump on May 3rd, 2018, boy, that seems like such a long time ago. Yeah, uh, Donald, Trump, Donald Trump said, today we remember the words of Reverend Billy Graham. Prayer is the key that opens to us the treasures of God's mercy and blessings. Reverend Graham's words remind us that prayer has always been in the center of American life because America is a nation of believers. And then he goes on uh, that uh, my administration has spoken out against religious persecution around the world, including the persecution of many, many Christians. What's going on is horrible. We're taking action in solving the many problems and our great challenges. Faith is more powerful than government and nothing is more powerful than God. So uh, fascinating uh, quotes. Um, one of my favorites is, is Eisenhower, back to, to him. During his Back to God program, February 20th, 1955, Eisenhower said, 
Without God, there could be no American form of government, nor an American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being is the first, the most basic expression of Americanism. And Amen. Of, course, of course, what's he talking about? It's rights come from a creator. And right. then, therefore, the purpose of the government is to guarantee and protect your creator-given rights. If there is no creator, your rights come from the state, the that's government. Right. And, and what and the that's government— what they're, they're trying to tell us that today. That's what they're trying to convince us of, is that they bestow upon us these privileges, and they are not rights. Yeah, and if the government giveth, the government can taketh away us. <laughs> yeah. And so without God, government transitions from your servant to your master. And uh, that's why our, our founders understood there has to be a creator. One time I was at a book convention, and I had written a book, Three Secular Reasons Why America Should Be Under God. And this lady came by and she goes, I'm an atheist. I don't want America under God. And I said, well, do you like having rights the government cannot take away? She said, well, yeah. I said, then those rights need to come to you from a power higher than the government. That's why the founders referred to the creator. That's why John F. Kennedy said the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. And then I said, do you like being equal? She goes, yeah. I said, where did equality come from? Didn't come from Islam, where women are not equal to men and infidels aren't equal to believing Muslim males. And didn't come from Hinduism, where you have a caste system. And if you're in the Brahmin in the highest caste, you're more equal. And if you're an untouchable a Dalits in the lowest caste, you got to clean the sewers. Uh, you, you can't graduate in this life. There's not equality there. And it didn't come from um, uh, Hinduism, uh, where you have hundreds of millions of gods, right? Pick which one you're in the image of. Uh, it didn't come from atheism, where your worth is dependent on your utility. If you are useful right. to the state, you're worth more. If you're not, you're voted off the island. In America, yeah. you're worth something and you're equal because you're made in the image of God. And that's Amen. a Bible concept. And this God of the Bible says there's no respecter of persons in judgment. And when I get done, she looks at me and she goes, you're good. <laughs> of course, I'm not. <laughs> but I've just highlighted those points that America, there's a purpose to us saying we're one nation under God. Yeah, well, you are good, Bill, because I know it takes so much work to assemble all of this. And, uh, um, you know, that's the the purpose of a good historian is to, you know, gather these things, do this research and remind us of the the past and, and highlight it for us. And, you know, you certainly uh, did that for us uh, today, uh, National Day of Prayer. And, you know, I, I I'm so grateful that we still have such a thing, and I hope that uh, that we can retain it. I hope that we can turn around and have a real revival and and come back to an honest, uh, you know, uh, orientation towards Christ in this country, and uh, not just the lip service that I'm afraid they'll uh, they'll give it um, in, in these um, you know times of. Uh, of, you know, waning Christianity. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that you came on the show to, to remind us of all these things and, and highlight this. So thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Bryce. And a uh, parting thought, the um, uh, in times of crises is when people turn to Christ. And it's also in times of crises that leaders are raised up. And you Amen. think of the stories we love best in the Bible. There's a crisis with Pharaoh. God raises up an 80-year-old Moses. There's a crisis with Goliath. 
God raises up a teenager, David, right? This is just our turn. So it looks like crisis, right. but the good Lord's looking for somebody to raise up. That's right. And for, you know, for the, the listeners and, and their, uh, you know, friends and family that are afraid to have children in these times because, oh, things are so bad and all that stuff, the, this is precisely when to be fruitful and multiply because this is when amazing uh, people rise up and come up and come from these uh, tough times that, uh, that we may be going through. Um, so thank you for all of those reminders. Um, uh also remind everybody where to, to follow you and where to get your amazing books. Oh, thanks, Bryce. My website is AmericanMinute.com. AmericanMinute.com. All right. Well, thank you, Bill. God bless you. Uh, it's always a delight to have you, and to God be the glory. Amen. Well, blessings to you and all the viewers. All right. And we're out. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode of The Bryce Eddy Show. Hey, we need your help. We have a special call to action. Please subscribe to our new Rumble channel, The Bryce Eddy Show. If you've been consuming this on our church website or church channel, go ahead and subscribe to us on Rumble. We need to build those numbers there for that new dedicated channel. For your convenience, we have a link in the description below.